Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Well, the holidays are over, and the time to set our sights on new goals for the new year is upon us. More important than ever, guys, to support your immune system so that you remain strong, healthy, able to tackle the 2022 goals. One of the biggest ways you can boost your immunity is supporting gut health. It's true. Yep, that's right. Jonathan Jacobs, a physician at UCLA, says the following, the microbe and the immune system are critically intertwined, something we now know. This means that eating the wrong things can affect your immune system. It's tough to, you know, get your diet exactly right. That's why you should think about Biome Breakthrough daily. Biome Breakthrough contains powerful probiotics and prebiotics, as well as a one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is a patented egg-based protein. It enhances gut health, reverses damage caused by antibiotics, and may help against other immune threats. I don't think I'm overstating it to say that IGY Max is a powerful immune system and something that will really advance the topic. By taking Biome Breakthrough daily, you will feed the good bacteria and build up immunity and hopefully repair the leaky gut. Best time to take Biome Breakthrough is first thing in the morning. Mix it in an eight ounce of water and drink it on an empty stomach to experience less of the, eh, perhaps the problems with the gut flora imbalance. So what are you waiting for? Go to biomebreakthrough.com slash Drew and use Dr. Drew 10 to receive 10% off any order. You have a 365-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. That is at Biome Breakthrough, B-I-O-M-E, Breakthrough, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, biomebreakthrough.com slash Drew. Sugar Break is the first natural non-prescription support system that empowers you to reduce sugar intake and manage healthy blood sugar levels so you can well, live your best life. That's right. If you have a big sweet tooth, Sugar Break Resist is a natural minty fresh breath strip that blocks sweet tastes in foods and curbs sugar cravings on the spot. Made with an ancient herb and it reduces the activation of the reward mechanism so you can stop that sugar binge if you're like me you get into. And for daily sugar confidence, add reduced to your routine whether you're experiencing hormonal conditions uh, or just looking to maintain healthy blood sugar levels, try reduce. And of course, New Year's resolution is made easy with sugar break. Reach your goals without deprivation. Use powerful and tested plant ingredients, stabilize pre-meal capsules, block carb and sugar absorption as you eat up to 40%, so you don't have to go without your favorite foods, and make 2020 the year of healthy blood sugar. And I've said before that insulin levels are probably more important than we ever knew. Sugar Break products are available nationwide at Target, CVS, and hy Grocery. Go to sugarbreak.com slash Drew and use code Drew for 15% off your entire order. Discount code applies to any product. Again, that is sugarbreak.com slash Drew. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Appreciate you all being here. Do check out uh, drdrew.tv for the streaming shows uh, where you will see my present guest in just a, who I'll be speaking to in just a minute. You can see her there uh, not infrequently. And uh, yeah, don't forget the uh, the uh, the social media. Uh, Instagram is dr drew pinsky, dr drew pinsky, and of course TikTok at dr drew. Check it all out. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I really would like to have uh, some of the more the the Corolla 
world over at your mom's house, too, if you don't mind, at uh, Dr. After Dark. Check that out. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome back our friend, Dr. Kate Shanahan. Latest book is The Fat Burn Fix, Boost Energy and Hunger, Lose Weight. Uh, and also, of course, Deep Nutrition was the original book that put Kate on the map. She uh, all available at uh, Amazon, of course. So you can follow Dr. Kate at drkate.com, D-R-C-A-T-E. It's Kate with a C. And Twitter handle is at dr, Dr. Kate Shanahan, S-H-A-N-A-H-A-N. Kate, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me back on, Dr. Drew. Happy 2022. Happy 2022. I've noticed you've been uh, a little, uh, you've been quite lively on Twitter lately. Tell me what uh, what lit you up. Well, I uh, I just needed to get away from talking about COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I manage about uh, a, a lot of people with COVID. We've had 100 cases in the past uh, ten, probably 10 days, and it's just insane. I, I, you know I, what? I'm one doctor. I've seen, I was adding it up this morning. I've probably got 50. Uh, and it's all, it's, it's 99% Omicron. Yes. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, yeah, well, we're not allowed to say, but it's, uh, <laughs> different. It's so much, wait, we're not allowed to say seriously, we can't, uh, we can't our, describe our observations of what Omicron has been clinically. Are you, are you freaking kidding me? Well, we can, we get uh, dinged, don't we? Yes, well, this is get... someone. This is someone who's. L- let me guess. <laughs> you you live a lot in the YouTube world. Yeah, YouTube. Well, this is not YouTube, right? We're not. We're not going to get dinged here. We can no, do whatever we is, want. This is podcast. We never want. So here's what I'm observing. I'm observing. I, I've seen. You know, I've seen 50 cases. My whole household has had it. I've had it. It's been all over the place. And uh, what I'm observing is, if you are triple vaxxed, it is incredibly mild. It is quite mild. Not. Not nothing. I mean, it's like, like my wife, who's triple vaccine, was you know down, you know, so didn't didn't want to go to bed for a couple of days. But it was nothing like Alpha and Delta, nothing like I had last year. I had it. I didn't know I had it. I was uh, coughing a bit and hoarse, and it wasn't until the whole household came down that I started thinking, uh oh, because <laughs> I tested negative the whole way. Although now I'm having weird, familiar long haul symptoms. Isn't that crazy? It, it, so you can get long haul even after mild COVID. That's an interesting thing, right? And I've heard a couple of people say that, yes. Uh, but that's about the worst that it that it does is is kind of you know you maybe have two or three days of if you if you haven't been vaccinated, haven't had COVID before, you maybe have two or three days of like of high fever, really bad body aches, yeah. often a terrible headache. Yeah, but it, it's like. That's like a flu. Like I mean, a flu, like- right. So so unvaccinated is like a bad flu. Uh, vaccinated, two vaccines or one J&J, it's a um, little more it's constitutional, uh, a lot of cough, a lot of upper respiratory, some fever, some aches. My son is in that category, and he developed incredible body aches. It scared him, and I was like, oh, here it comes. And, uh, and then he was just kind of in bed for a few days, and it's still kind of lingering, whatever. But all the triple vaccinated, it's much more like a cold. Right? Is that about fit? Absolutely. I yeah. mean, it's so mild that some people just completely deny it could possibly be even anything. That was some me. <laughs> that was me. I would. I didn't. I didn't really work. On, I. I still never tested positive, but but I. My whole house got sick, so I, I know I did it. And and my son came from New York after he was been exposed. He was sick for a couple of days. I think he brought it in. I got it. Now, well, there was another category we have to talk about, which is natural immunity plus single vax, which is me and my son. 
And it was uh, vastly different than what we had in the uh, alpha last uh, last year. <coughs> Persistent cough, here we are, and a little long hauler, and that's that. I'm wondering, as I started thinking about this thing, I'm wondering if this is just something we're going to kind of have every year or so, either a vaccine or a little illness. Or, And I thought, ah, you know, I could, if it weren't for this little long hauler stuff, and by the way, I'm, I'm probably going to go back on fluvoxamine to see if it resolves it the way it did the first time. Um, you know, I have to deal with this every year. Oh, well, it, you know, I could, I mean, you know. Even the flu had a, uh, there was like a post-flu syndrome, mm-hmm. that post-flu fatigue that never really got that much press, but it could cause fatigue for six to 12 weeks, sometimes yep. longer. Mm-hmm. So really any virus can do that. I think COVID probably has a higher chance of doing that. Yeah. But this, uh, this Omicron, you know, if you had it before that, if you had it before, a natural immunity for some people doesn't seem to help very much. I've had two people that actually had COVID before and <laughs> had a really nasty case of it. Oh, really? Uh, and uh, they were outpatient, but they were in bed for like 10, 14 days and, with a fever. And not, not uh, no natural immunity, but no vax? Not, right. Yeah. So they had the, the infection back before there were vaccines. And yeah. now they're getting this. Yeah. And it's kind of bringing back some of the worst of the chest pain. I think there's a sort of a pleurisy, which is the lining of the lungs gets inflamed or a pleuritis. I, you know what? I, I'm going to argue because I've now had it and it, there's a lot of sore throat with this. Sore throat is a prominent symptom and it's persistent and it's nasty. I felt, I know what the, I know this pain you're talking about and I had, the, I had it and it felt more like tracheal or, or large bronchus kind of something. Because it was, it was, it had a pleuritic piece because it got worse when you took a deep breath, but it stayed inside. It didn't go to the chest wall. You know what I mean? So who yeah, knows? Okay. Who knows? Who knows? You know? Yeah, that actually makes sense because they say this new one is um, really reproducing more in the upper airways, yep. which is the large, the, the yep. large stuff, and not even getting to the lower airways. So yep. that makes a lot of sense, and that's actually good to know because then you don't really have to worry really anything about pneumothorax. Right. Or, you know, well, it also more. makes me wonder, and I've been obsessing about this: whether inhaled corticosteroids <laughs> is the way to go, or would that make it worse? Because you know it might impair the local immunity. I I I, I reached for uh, albuterol and I thought maybe I should go for some steroid. I don't know, you know. But I, I didn't do it. Have you used any inhaled steroids? I've used inhaled steroids in the past with really bad laryngitis when people yeah. won't stop coughing. Yeah, yeah. But if if it's not that bad that they're able to control their cough, I haven't. Yeah. Pulmonary friend. Pulmonary friend of mine said he's he's he. He'd beaten the residents these days that if you use the corticosteroids during acute infection, you can make things worse. And you got to be really careful with that. So that's in my head now. Gary, you had a question? I was just wondering what you guys thought of the new marketing scheme that's going around LA this week of Fluvid. Oh, my God. I want to punch people in the face when I saw that. It made me angry. So so I'll let Kate, Kate talk first. I don't even know what that is because I've been okay. buried in COVID and Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so there was like a half a dozen cases. One, one prominently of a immune compromised, meaning pregnant woman who got both flu and COVID, and they're like, "Oh, it's fluvid! Okay. It's fluvid! Oh my God, fluvid is coming!" It, it, it's, 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 it's such insanity that that, that I, I want to punch people in the face when I see it. But good luck, press, with panicking everybody this time. You did oh, it for two right. years. Good luck trying to do it again. What are you saying? 
Yes, I know. It's like, come on. I, you know, they're trying to punch through the uh, COVID fatigue, I guess, and they keep trying to do it by, by yeah. scaring people. Yeah. And it's just not very nice. I think it's like a, a media bullying at this point. Yeah. But I have seen a couple cases where people have had both, and were those they, actually have been some of the worst cases. Of were it. they immune compromised? Was there something? Yeah. Oh, oh, they're normal people. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh huh. Yep. All right. So you tested, you, are you routinely testing for both? Uh, no, I can't because I do mostly telehealth. So I have to get folks to do their own tests for COVID at home. Yeah. And if I'm really worried about the flu, then I have to tell them to go to an urgent care. And, and so you've had two that did that and were turned out positive for both. Yeah, two or three. How, how, um, did, how yeah. did you, what made you worry that there was a, another illness ab- aboard? The fever was lasting longer than like two days, right? Because uh, the, the Omicron, I'm, I'm calling Omicron baby COVID. I'm uh, just not saying that on Twitter. Uh, well, you should um, say it. <laughs> Come on. But it really is like, a, it's it's a, a little baby, cute little co- form of COVID. For most <laughs> people, it doesn't really, you know, doesn't really do much other yeah. than make you have to stay home. Yeah. Uh, from work, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So they were having more than I would have expected from this new form of COVID, and so I said, you know, please go to urgent care and get tested. And they ended up testing positive for the flu. So, so when we last spoke, and let me remind everybody that Kate is not just a uh, physician; she's also a biochemist. And she, the reason uh, my affection for Kate grew so large is when I first met her, she made a scientific statement that I thought was be. Spoke volumes about your ability and your um, your scientific uh, ethics. She said, uh, the human, "Human when it comes to nutrition, human biology is way too complex to say much of anything. We can't say much of anything except a couple things I know for sure. I can say I can talk about these issues with fats." And I thought, "Oh, and good. Now I can listen because uh, everything else is sort of bullshit." But when you and you can talk about your what that is exactly. But when we last spoke. You said you will stake your reputation on the fact that I think you were saying it was the seed oils or, or you know the unhealthy fats in, in particular were having a dramatic impact on the illness COVID. How's that looking now to you? Yeah, and it's still even though COVID is improved. I'm sorry, COVID is less severe. Mm. There's still a huge difference based on somebody's metabolic state, uh-huh. right? So if If you are one of these people who uh, never had any kind of exposure to COVID, you're probably going to have a day or two of symptoms and you recover. You'll be able to go back to work in the minimum quarantine time. No problem. But if you are 50 or 100 pounds overweight, you are much more likely to have the lingering symptoms to not be able to get right back to work and to, you know, just be fatigued for a couple extra days, maybe, you know, as much, as many as 10 days. So it'd be twice as worse, twice as bad. So, but it's still, it's, it's still making a huge difference. And it's, it's, uh, there's much more coming out about, you know, the, the link between obesity and COVID severity and long COVID and everything else, mm. but it's not, it's not obesity per se. It's not like just anybody who overeats, um, you know, kind of brings this on their on themselves, and and this is the key. It's the seed oils, and it's the seed oils are these things that the American Heart Association has taught doctors to tell people are the healthy oils, and that's why when I have a spare moment, I I go onto Twitter and try and warn people about this. The seed oils are actually toxic, and very few very few doctors have gotten 
clued into that because there's an active association, the American Heart Association out there, trying to keep us in the dark and trying to make it seem like I'm just a conspiracy theorist and the increasing number, now there's hundreds of other doctors who are on board with this idea that seed oils like soy, corn, and canola are that are made in factories are toxic. They're, they're not just like empty calories. It, it goes beyond like sugar is bad for us because it's empty calories, right? Refined flour, it's bad for us because it's empty calories. It's right. just going to make you fat and there's no nutrition and there's no vitamins in it. There's nothing there. There's no protein, no value, but the seed oils are worse than that. And everybody knows that like junk food is bad, but seed oils are in junk food. Like they're in Twinkies, they're in candy bars, they're in everything that you would think of as a junk food. They're in cheap pizza, they're in French fries. They're the reason that junk food is bad. And The thing is, the American Heart Association says that they're healthy. Really? They're actually saying it's, I thought they were just saying avoid the animal fats. They're saying these are good, those are bad. That's the crazy part. They Uh say you need to eat more of these things. Like Uh on the websites for all the, for the American Heart Association, as well as like major institutions that we are all prone to respecting Harvard, Tufts, um, they are saying the same thing. They're saying we need to, we need to not only eat less saturated fat, but we need to eat more of the polyunsaturates. Oh boy. And that's what seed oils are, are full of. And hmm. that's why they're toxic because of the polyunsaturates that they're unstable and there's biochemical reasons for it. But what it, what it means is Something that's very pertinent to right now where people are making resolutions. And that's what I really wanted to to, uh, dive into just a little bit. Okay. That has to do with your willpower. So (laughs) it turns out that your diet can impact your willpower and not just your diet, but what you've been eating that's gotten into your body fat, right? So If you've been eating seed oils, they build up in your body fat and they're stored in your body fat. And now that they're in your body fat, they have a negative effect on your willpower. They steal your willpower. And there's, there's research that shows this, that that's what I've been tweeting a lot about lately. And the research is in something called ego depletion. Um, so ego to psychologists, does it mean the same thing? I think it probably means in Hollywood. It doesn't mean you have like, you think a lot of yourself. It, it means your, your sense of self or your self-control. Self-function. Yes. Executive function is another word for mm. it. Mm-hmm. So that takes energy for your brain. Your brain needs energy for you to have willpower. That's why when you're really hungry, and you are just like, I just need to eat something. I just need to eat anything. And yeah. that's when you're going to fall off a diet, right? No matter how much you resolve when your belly is full to avoid junk food, uh, stay away from cookies and sugar, whatever. When your belly is empty and you're sitting right next to a pile of delicious smelling Christmas cookies, it's impossible for you to resist because your brain is depleted of the energy it needs for you to have self-control. 
so let's let's think of it from an evolutionary perspective that you know to be able to to be able to uh, choose a subdominant impulse. In, in other words, uh, to be able to go, I, I'm very hungry. I want to eat this. The brain, the evolution, has caused us to reduce focus on uh, goals and bring focus into just pursuit of calories. Right? Just focus on that. And trigger and hook that right into the reward system and bypass the executive system entirely and shut it down. Shut down the executive system, which create and that system needs a lot of energy to function, right? Yes, and yeah. so you you basically you have no choice. Yeah, but the, but from an evolutionary standpoint, good because then we survive another day. We get some calories, but in the, today's modern world, bad because now you're eating sugar and fat. And there's more to it because. What these seed oils do is they make our bodies, our brains dependent on sugar specifically for energy to, to the extent that we actually can't really use our body fat for energy. Yeah. And that is evolutionarily something that's never happened before. Hmm. So, you know, Matt, so like we're, we're not just surrounded by food. That's hard to resist. Our, Physiology has been rewired so that we are going to be addicted to this food that's hard to resist at an energy level, not a pleasure level. So there's like, you know, th- th- we all talk about how sugar like has this delicious sweetness to it and you get a release of dopamine when you experience that sweetness, that taste on your tongue. But this kind of addiction, this is an energy addiction. Your brain literally is on the verge of shutting down if you don't get energy. So the brain thinks it's starving. The, yeah, the brain uh, is actually starving, yeah. right? Because it's not getting any of the energy that's in your body fat because it, it doesn't want to use it. It doesn't Why? want because it, well, first of all, it, it, the brain doesn't use body fat. It uses these things called ketones. Right, right. And you don't produce ketones unless you've not eaten for a good long time, like eight, 10, 12 hours. Um, so that it, your brain really has no access to energy other than the little bit of sugar in your bloodstream. Mm. And so it's really driving you specifically to sugar. Mm. And that's so important to understanding what is the cause of sugar cravings. Mm. Because it, it's not like part of your personality. Like I thought I was just genetically a sugar addict. But when I completely changed my diet and got seed oils out of my diet, bless you, um, I didn't I, – I could resist like M&Ms and mocha frappuccinos and fresh baked cookies in a way that I thought would never happen to me. I just thought – People who could do that were annoying. <laughs> they just didn't like them. <laughs> they didn't like those things that I like. That's so funny. Right. Well, I'm definitely one of those people. But, but I also think there's another layer to what you're describing, which is what we used to call metabolic syndrome. Or, and now we sort of think more in terms of insulin resistance and, and that whole syndrome. I definitely have that. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I'm, uh, I'm going I'm to take you off course a little bit here and say, do you think – that having that syndrome in and of itself also uh, pre that that whether it's under control or not also predisposes people to some of the omicron or some of the covid complications 
just the syndrome itself because I, I think that's me because <laughs> I'm really careful with my diet and stuff and I'm doing pretty good, you know, off I, off the seed oils, off the sugars, off everything. And God damn it, I, I just don't do well with this thing. Well, there's two, two layers to that. So one is that in my view, metabolic syndrome comes from seed oils and nothing else. But they stay in your body fat for many years after you stop eating them. That's I, 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 I've been off for a few years. You know, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So you I mean, but I, but I, find, I find it difficult. I find it difficult to stay off completely. I got to say because every time you go out to a restaurant, I'm 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 sure the salad dressing's got something in it. You know what I mean? If if you have a blue cheese dressing, oh, yeah. I'm sure it's in there. And I oh, yeah. you know occasionally reach for the Cool Whip, and of course that's going to be whatever. You know, <laughs> but but yeah. it's but it's rare, but it's rare. But I do it. Is that enough to keep it all going? It could absolutely, yeah. um, and you can actually get it measured. And if your HDL to triglyceride ratio is still no, uh, it's all better. That's all way better. That's got got so much better. It was ridiculous. I, okay. I could never, I could never get that better by restricting fats. So I went on a statin. My LDL went through the floor. My HDL stayed low. My triglycerides stayed up. I cut out sugar, and boom, my 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 triglyceride, which I could never get below two hundred, went to seventy five, and my HDL, which I could never get above forty, went to sixty, like immediately. Right. That can happen with statins. So. That uh, the way to really tell what's going on is to check your insulin level mm. at the same time as a glucose level and mm. calculate your insulin uh, sensitivity with the something called a HOMA IR calculator. And insulin, really, the insulin level needs to be below what we call normal, right? Our our lower limit of normal on the labs when you get your insulin test is going to be somewhere from five yeah. up to a high of twenty five. Actually, normal really starts below five. And it- I assure you I'm not normal. I, I assure you. I, I don't have to measure. I can tell. The question is, how hard do I have to fight to get it under control? How, how religious do I have to be? Well, uh, uh, yeah, it's pretty strictly religious because these, these seed oils, they – stay in the body, like I say, for at least four to five years. And mm. the more body fat that you have, the longer they stay. I mean, you don't okay. have extra looking body fat, but, but, um, I have enough, but, I have yeah, enough that are everywhere. Yeah. Okay. And they're also in, they're also in a lot of animal fat, right? So if you've had a really hard time, um, with insulin resistance, you might want to think about what kind of animals fat you're, you know, some, some people say that you really shouldn't have chickens because they're, body fat is higher in polyunsaturated fatty acids and well in, interestingly breeds. interestingly the, the the more i stay with beef the better i feel yeah that uh, really could especially if it's grass-fed yeah i i try to stay with grass-fed beef and 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 that literally i i wondered if it was you know just convincing you know placebo or whatever but I, it's it's Distinct to me, I, I you know, the sugars got to go, starches got to go, no no question about that. But then even within that, I've noticed that the the closer I stay to the the beef, the better. Weird, right? Yes, and it takes it takes a couple of years. It's of so really weird. Being pretty strict. I've but found. you get you get the problem is is uh, palate fatigue. That's the problem. Yes, it is. Right, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, but um. Uh, there, but you can also get pork, right? There's, there are breeds of pork that, uh, are fed properly so that they don't have so much of the polyunsaturated fatty acids in them. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, I mean, I, like there's all kinds of uh, arguments about like, you know, should you be hundred percent carnivore or not? I think there's a lot of variety you can get with like spices and using vegetables as a way think about vegetables, like not necessarily eat all on their own, but as mm-hmm. a way to make. So your- Kate, I have become the guy I hate at the restaurant. I become that guy. I become that guy. Gary, do not let Corolla know this. I, I go in and somebody has to go, no, no, take the bun off, take the take no fries, no, 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 no. And then I have to go, I'm super allergic to onions and garlic and all spices. And, and, the, and that's, that's, and then by the way, no salad dressing. <laughs> like, like, well, the waiters look at me like, uh, can you, are you able to eat? <laughs> do, you, do you actually consume food? It's really, I become that guy. It's terrible. I hate being that person. But I am that guy. So so really the only thing I can do is go to a steakhouse and, and then I'm delightfully happy. But uh, it, it's I, – I understand why people have a tough time with this. I do. You really have to have a lot of willpower, right? A lot of that good brain energy. Well, it also – you feel better. You do feel better. It's noticeable. You know, and if you're also working out and stuff, you get more benefit that way and that sort of, it sort of self-reinforces in certain respects. But uh, it is – you know, if you have the other stuff I've got, you know, with the spice sensitivities and stuff, it gets so, you know, after, I've been doing it for like three or four years now, ever since we first talked, I'd say. And and um, and and Vinny was part of that too when I first got exposed to his stuff. And uh, and it and and I at, when I started it, I'm sorry that for people who are listening, I'm talking so much about myself. I'm just using myself as a case. I hope it's, it's illustrative. But when when I started it, uh, I was I said like two weeks in, I said if 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 somebody had told me I was going to feel this good after starting eliminating starches particularly, I would not have believed them. I would have just said that's hyperbole. It's placebo. No. Mm-mm, uh-uh. But that's what I experienced. So it became – at the beginning, became quite easy because I was feeling so much better. You do get fatigued. You do. I'm hoping really that you'll be able to, to retolerate some of the spices and onions and stuff like that once – You've you know cleared out a lot of the inflammation, the inflammatory response, the hyperactive um, immune reactions, and woken up some of the basic enzymes in your digestive system again that uh, may be part of these intolerances. Well, right? it, interestingly, occasionally I noticed uh, all of a sudden I could tolerate stuff, but then it would go away again. So that's interesting. So that's an interesting. Thing. I, I thought I thought I was just imagining that, but but I did have some experiences where I thought. I should feel like shit. I put garlic and all this other stuff in there, and I, I'm okay. It's interesting. Well, that's good news. Yeah. yeah. And, and so for people who don't have a lot of intolerances, um, but you want to go out to eat, the ethnic <laughs> restaurants, some ethnic restaurants are, are, are really great, like you know Indian food. And yeah. I know you're not going to be able to do that maybe for a little while, but um, Indian food is really awesome because they use a lot of butter. You know, they, they, it's where ghee came from. Um, they use a lot of yogurt. They use a lot of cream. Um, and then, uh, like, uh, Thai food, well, not, I'm sorry, not Thai food, uh, Thai Korean food and soups. Yes, yes. Korean food. Soups that nice. are stock based. And uh, another thing, Dr. Drew, that may actually help you, it may help a lot of people. Yeah, it helps good. a lot of people. Okay, good. Is bone stock. Uh, oh, yeah. that really helps the gut heal. And I have some just about every single day. Like, I have at least a cup in one form or another, usually in soup, or a lot of folks think you just have to drink it and like glug it down. But it actually is a delicious base for a gravy. And so, you know, while you're having your steaks, you can whip yourself up some gravy, right? You, you know, you make a little roux with butter and um, and flour. Just so a little bit so of flour. when you say bone stock, do you mean bone broth? Is that the same thing? 
Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 my wife's always trying to pour the bone broth down. I don't, I don't like bone broth. I can only tell her, I just don't like it. But I could take a little bit down, I think. If it's going to heal me, I'll do it. <laughs> so, How about make it into gravy with some spice? Well, no, not spices, right, but so. with the roux, the, the flour and the butter. All right. Uh, let, let's go back over to COVID and, and your declaration that the seed oils are, are such a, a critical part of all this we've been discussing. Uh, when you when you put that out there on Twitter, do people attack you for it? Is there is it hard for you to – yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I yes. see it on your face. <laughs> um, yes, it's like 50-50. Uh, half the people are like, I'm, you know, I'm crazy conspiracy theorist. Theorist, and another half are people who actually follow me, and they're like, "Yes, it's true. Stop it. Just open your eyes. Stop. Uh, stop believing. You know, the American Heart Association, because ever since they've been in charge of our diet since 1948, we've been getting less and less healthy. So, uh, yes, definitely, there's strong opinions on, on Twitter, but but really, any everybody who tries it goes through what you experience, which is. Uh, they feel a lot better pretty quickly. Yeah. Usually, you know, if you're willing to eat butter and cheese and saturated fat and stuff like that, usually you start feeling better like that morning. Calibrate, everybody. Uh, the combined doctor-prescribed, FDA-approved medication, pair it with lifestyle changes to improve your metabolic health, comprehensive, fully integrated program combining classes, one-on-one video coaching, in-app tracking, and community members like you, plus the medical care, of course. This is comprehensive metabolic program. It's not a diet. It's designed to achieve metabolic health and treat the underlying biological issues that contribute to excess weight. Medication, of course, can be an important part and is important with Calibrate as well. It's most effective when paired with small tweaks that are sustainable that you will make across Calibrate's four pillars of metabolic health, food, sleep, exercise, and emotional health. The medical team will include doctors who assess your health in an initial 45-minute video, provide ongoing medical support, and your biweekly one-on-one video appointment with the Calibrate coach, discuss your curriculum, goal setting. This is the way you do it, everybody. This is the way. Your weight does not reflect your willpower. Get back in control with Calibrate. Get $50 off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code DREW at join calibrate.com that is j-o-i-n-c-a-l-i-b-r-a-t-e.com that's $50 off when you use code drew at joincalibrate.com you'll thank me roman you've heard us talk about it that's right ed treatments you can have self-assurance you can pick up you can have free online visits with a u.s licensed healthcare professional and then roman offers five different treatments including brand and generic versions of the most common ed medication a u.s licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan and if prescription is appropriate it ships to you free and to make sure you get your package in time for valentine's day your order needs to be placed by february 9th so don't waste any time at roman start online visit today with roman you get free ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home and you know you need to get a proper medical assessment because sometimes there are other things afoot the whole process is straightforward convenient and discreet get started do so it's simple just go to getroman.com slash drew and complete an online visit again it's people are used to using electronic media to get access for healthcare, and there's no reason you shouldn't have this access. GetRoman.com slash Drew. 
Bull and Branch, everybody. You know I love these guys. I sleep on Bull and Branch sheets every night. Uh, they use the towels, the pillowcases. Oh, my God, the sheets make such a difference. They're made to a higher standard, 100% organic cotton, ethical production, thoughtful attention to every detail. Nothing worse than fitted sheets that don't fit. Bowl and Branch offers 17-inch deep fitted sheets and labeled sides to help you make your bed every time easily, beautifully. Little things make a big difference, and they think of all that. We love Bowl and Branch. We got hooked on them. Best of all, Bowl and Branch gives you a fair price plus a 30-day risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. And you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ACAD at checkout. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code ACAD. Well, the cost of an emergency medical flight, of course, is not always covered by your health insurance. Even with comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with a substantial deductible or even co-pays. Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Dr. Drew podcast listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card. When you join, simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew. Use offer code Drew. I go down the cheese rabbit hole pretty regularly. What, what should I be avoiding there? Uh, like Velveeta, American cheese. Yeah. Um, that's about it, really. Pretty much any real, like... Uh, cheese with any tradition has a uh, real milk in it and is really going to be really good for you. But what you can look for to have extra healthy cheese is that the cows got grass, right? So grass fed milk. I, I, I find myself involved in sort of European stuff and I don't know that it's made in Europe. So it's hard to tell like, you know, Manchego and, you know, certain French cheeses and stuff. I'm guessing, you know, it's some, and some of that is sheep too, by the way. Right. And that's Okay. Also really good. Okay. Uh, actually, sheep are almost always fed grass because they can't live with uh, like <laughs> grains the way cows can. So any kind of sheep cheese is going to be grass fed and going to be really healthy. All right. Are you working on another book? I uh, am actually probably. It's in the proposal phase. So and what you, uh, it's stealth mode right now. And what are you thinking about? Um, I'm thinking about writing about seed oils. Would you believe it? Shocking. <laughs> Are, are you going to – I'm wondering if there's a world where you can engage with the American Heart Association. I mean, can, in other words, could you write a book that would be a little bit of a gauntlet that's down to, you know, need, need – um, that could result in some sort of productive dialogue? Um, you read my agent's minds. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So that's what I'm trying to do actually is kind of start a conversation about uh, like more like with journalists than with doctors, because this really is a phenomenon in our history, like in American history that we've let the American Heart Association get away with this basically a, a lie uh, for, for well, 70 it years. Now. Doesn't it, it can't people now see the evidence of that everywhere in the day of COVID? Don't they now understand 
These these bureaucracies are not designed to practice medicine. This is the thing that makes my guts hurt right now. It's like these these bureaucrats have been making medical decisions. And I think back now to how upset I was at the outset of this thing and how I got myself in trouble. I was screaming, I want the press to shut up. You have no business talking about this. This is not the New York Times editorial board mandating certain medical interventions, non-pharmacological or otherwise. You should have no fucking opinion about this. You're not medical clinical people. Let the CDC and Fauci and the people who are designed to advise us, not to make the decisions for us, advise us what to do and we they will guide us through this. Instead... Well, what's your interpretation of what happened? I have my own interpretation of what happened. What, what, what did you see happen back in the early stages of this nonsense? I felt like there was just so much fear about um, actually sticking with the science, uh, right? I, I felt like there was as opposed uh, to as opposed to the bureaucracy and the political will and the and the yeah, journalists. Whatever the outside interests were that yeah. were trying to make a profit off of this, or, right? Or, 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 or I, I don't know what they were doing. Frankly, I, I don't know. I don't know that they were. In fact, I so it's so mysterious to me. I become obsessed with trying to figure out the madness of crowds because I, I'm not a conspiracy guy, and I, I just don't understand what motivated them to behave like this. I understand what happened to our profession. I think I understand what happened to us. You want my interpretation? Yeah, I'd love to hear it way more of us are employed by large systems than I had realized. And many of those systems are hospital systems uh, and they are run by bureaucrats. And those 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 business people, which is primarily their position, is business, became threatening towards physicians to toe the line of whatever the bureaucratic policies were. Uh, I don't know why they went that way, but that you know they're not clinical people, so I, I can't think the way they think. And our profession froze in place. We froze and stopped doing what we are trained to do, which is to make judgments and improvise on a given case that's in front of us. I, I, can, I could not imagine a time when physicians said, oh, your O2 saturation is 92%. Go home until you get sicker and then come back when you're sick. That's – fucking insane. And that's what we did for almost a year. We did it for six months for sure. And we did it because the authorities who are employers became threatening towards us. So we were afraid. Physicians scare really easily. We get scared very easily of losing yeah, our sheep. Yeah, of, of losing our jobs, of legal action. We, we just – we don't want to be – we don't – we're too busy. We don't want to be – you know, if, if something like that hit us, it would just hit us out of the blue. You know, we're, we're just doing our job. So we froze. Then we became fearful that somebody would say something about the choices we made on social media, God forbid. So between the employer and the social media, paralytic, they were paralyzed. Our profession yeah, those are was two powerful like uh, forces, and, right? And, like, and I would add a third. And I would add there was a shaming. I would agree. And I was add there was a third. And this might be the more nefarious piece. A- academia became duplicitous in this. I don't know quite what was going on there. Peter McCullough, that's the one thing he said to me when I talked to him that I thought, oh, that he's on to something. That that academia somehow was duplicitous in this. And I think from the academia perspective, well, I'm going to say something provocative. Uh, it it might have been a leftover from the Trump derangement syndrome. Like they were so 
like anything that came out of the administration, they had to go the opposite. And so they were just going the opposite of the administration at the time, which was, hey, don't worry about it, guys. So they went into full panic. They went into full lock it down. So if you add Trump derangement, too many doctors or employees, and social media, it it was and, – and by the way, I, I don't know how you are, but I admire my academic peers and I look to them for guidance and support and things. And so when they start getting very uh, aggressive, that's another source of paralysis. So three paralytic events cause doctors to say the unthinkable, go home until you get sick. What? What? In what, what world do we do that? In what world? Go home until you're almost dead. Yeah, go home until you're so two sets, eighty four percent. Then maybe I can do something. Maybe. I, 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 it was just that. I if, if please put that in your book. A little bit of history, please. I'm begging you. So it's got to I mean, be really is shocking. Somebody's got to write it down. Somebody's got to write this down because the, these three elements destroyed medicine for a period of time. And then I'm going to add a fourth layer, which is that. The CDC and Fauci and those guys seem to have gotten adulterated too. They're, I feel like they're back now. I feel like that. Like those are the people I'm used to listening to. Some I, I can tell there's a difference in their emotional presentation. They're just they're sort of back. Uh, but something happened to them too. They, they got they got weird and paralyzed. Almost sort of the way academia did. I think. Uh, I think all that is really spot on. I, I think something else that plays into it is. Um, this insidious thing that I've seen happening in medicine for past 20 years or more, which is that doctors are just like blinded by statistics, right? We, we feel like if there's numbers or statistics to back something up, a lot of times we almost just sort of forget about all the physiology and everything that we learned before statistics. Uh, well, know, let, let's and, drill. And I know like, what oh, you're, there's another, there's let's drill into that because I know what you're talking about. And the reason you see it is because you're actually a scientist. We don't properly train physicians in science. We do not. I I judged a uh, a paper competition. You know, where where a group of physicians were presenting their papers, their research, and I I ended up I ended up asking as I was listening to these papers, I'm going, these are incomprehensible. What they, I don't know what their assumptions are. I don't know what they're trying to prove. I, I ended up – and as the, the presentation started going along, I kept going, did you, did you consider a null hypothesis? Did you just consider just doing a null hypothesis on this? Did you consider it? And they all looked at me blankly like – they either looked at me like, I don't know what you're talking about or, or aren't you cute, old timer? But th- <laughs> they, they have not been taught so, – so explain to people what I'm talking about. Right, am I right? Am I, am I right? That's just what's missing is the basic basics of science again? Absolutely. Yes. We, we just are not, uh, we're, we're just too much into algorithms. Yeah. Right so now, explain I what like. I mean by null hypothesis. Why is that the basis of science? I think so. I, it's been a while since I've been into statistics. I, I'm, just, uh, I, I'm saying, I don't know if I can do it right. All right. It's very simple. You start out with a hypothesis based on a series of assumptions and you make them all clear. Here are my assumptions. Here's my hypothesis. And now we're going to test that my hypothesis is wrong. We're going to say it's it's null. We're going to say, test that it's wrong. wrong. Could it, it? Well, we're going to do the statistics that would prove it wrong if it's wrong. And then we do the experiment. And if it's not wrong, it's right. And that's a null hypothesis, essentially. I mean, it's sort of grotesque form. But you, 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 test, you test that it's wrong. 
And if it's not wrong, then it's evidence that it's right. It doesn't prove that it's right. It's not fact yet. It's just now, oh, that's moving in that direction where this might be right. In other words, if you can't say how someone could prove you wrong, you haven't thought about your theory well enough. Right. And that's that's, that's Popperian a little bit, but that's true. That's also true. That's part of this philosophy. And, 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 and you know, the simpler, the clearer, that, that's where tr- – and then you build on it. Then you build it up. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. I, I need to retire. <laughs> there used to be this thing called the physician scientist. Do you remember that term, the physician scientist? Yes, I do. I still know some of them who are good. I do. I know them. <laughs> the reason a lot of doctors work a four-day work week instead of a five-day work week is because that fifth day, they were supposed to go into the lab yeah. and do their research. That was the tradition yeah. in the early part of the 20th century. Yeah. And we don't do that anymore. And we're actually not even allowed. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not affiliated with a university. Mm-hmm. And so almost... Nobody at a university takes me seriously mm-hmm. because I'm, I don't have like that imprimatur of authority of yeah. like university of something or other, yeah. but I study my subject and I'm an expert in my subject, mm-hmm. but we don't have that individual scientist, like the respect for the individual scientist who, by the way, these are the people who discovered vitamins for us was individual scientists. They weren't working at universities. So that, that's, that's, you know, think, we're just uh, afraid. We're so afraid. Trust an individual anymore. I think it's strange. Uh, What's happened to our culture? I, I, I'm having, like a, lost some sort of- I'm having an emotional reaction as you say this. And I, I'm starting to wonder if this, the COVID doing this to me, cause it seems excessive how, how emotional I'm getting, but, but I am having a deep, a profound emotional reaction to, to what you're, you are saying. Did you, uh, did you watch the TV show, the Nick? No, I, I suggest. Heard of it. I'm not I, cool. I suggest you watch like two or three episodes because uh, that'll probably hook you. It's about a group of surgeons at the turn of the century, the 20th century, at a at a public hospital in New York. And the reason I bring it up is they are constantly doing science and experimenting and improvising, and and to watch it. As a physician stuck in the quagmire of today's medicine, it is so inspiring. You can't imagine it. You, you will love it. And, and then, of course, I especially liked it because one of the doctors develops a cocaine addiction and then an opiate addiction. And, and, uh, and, at, the end of the, and at the end of the first season, they take him to a place where they treat it and the language is familiar to today's addiction treatment. They you know, use certain of the language that I, I used to use. And they put him in bed and they go, we, we now know how to treat this. This is a biological event in your brain. We have, me- we have medicine. We can help you. We don't, don't worry. We got you. And they shoot him up with something. And he's like, oh, I got – he was psychotic and wild in a cocaine psychosis. And all of a sudden, he just lies down. He feels uh, – his psychosis melts away and he feels a thousand percent better. And they pull back to the vial that he's been injected with. Heroin, and so I go. Yes, we're still doing that. We are still using one one opiate for another, one addictive substance for another. Perfect. Oh my god, it's perfect. So anyway, they, they are they're so accurate and so uh, exciting. What what goes on in that in that series? But what what was different then is that, and they make this quite clear, is that if they didn't try something, everybody died. So they were just trying to do something, you know. And and if some if people died, it was like, well, they're going to die anyway. Um, and that's what that's what sort of allowed them to be so uh, aggressive and improvisational, and and led to tons of breakthroughs all the time. And and by the way, it's what's also clear is that they're 
It's made clear in the series anyway. And they, and they had a medical historian watch them very carefully during the whole thing. Their clinical acumen was phenomenal. Phenomenal. They, they knew what was going on. They knew what they were doing. They just didn't have much to do for it. Yeah, that's, you know, there really was a, a, so much respect for the folks back then because they, they didn't have any kind of like a peer review or they didn't have like a publication sort right. of process. Everything yeah. was so primitive. It had to all be in their heads. Yeah. And like in their little culture, their little uh, you know, group you, of other Kate, doctors. Kate, you have to watch this. Now, now, you, now you're, watch you have to. It's called The Nick, N-I-C-K. And it's about the hospital nope. called – K-N-I-C-K. K-N-I-C-K. It's on, it's on Cinemax. Right. Yeah. The, the, I, the, reason, the reason I said The Nick is because at SNL did a spoof on it called The Nick Jr. Yeah. And it was N-I-C-K. <laughs> yeah. You have to – can you get it on Hulu? It's on Cinemax. So if you have a Cinemax subscription, you can go through there. And I'm sure you can rent them or buy them on Amazon Prime okay. or, or something like it's that. It's so worth your time. It's so exciting. It, it's um, Definitely. I'm blacking on the name of the – Clive Owens is the is the. He's the main on, guy, yeah. He's uh, unbelievable. He just, he just nails drug addict with it. Uh, and, and, you know, narcissistic, brilliant surgeon type stuff. He does, he does all of it perfectly. So – but uh, so now I've given you some homework, Kate. You got to do that, and uh, I've given you two pieces of homework. I've asked you to write down the history that we just talked about to make sure it shows up in your book, so <laughs> so so that somebody can read this history somewhere. You know what I mean? I'm afraid we're going to vanish from the scene, and this historical moment, no one will have learned from it. You know, because it won't have been written down the way we're discussing it right now. Well, you're you know I'm sure there's plenty of people in Hollywood that are lining up and uh, taking notes. Dr. Drew, uh, uh, what you've been saying, so that they can start the documentary. This is the this is like the the era of documentaries. We have so many amazing documentaries, and then even better is what you just described. They take like a true historical moment and yeah. they turn it into a drama. So mm-hmm. that that I'm, I'm so addictable to those things. Those are just uh, I love history. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, and and I was really weak on it when my education, and now I've become obsessed with it. It's very strange. It, it's sort of like it's sort of if you study you know psychology and human behavior and and neurobiology and all the stuff that that the building blocks of what we are, you inevitably find yourself looking at history and philosophy and you know it's it's sort of the it's sort of the meta phenomenon of all of this, and thus my preoccupation with the madness of crowds right now. I'm I'm totally preoccupied with it. I I, I don't fully think I understand it, and it's driving me a little crazy. And and a friend of mine is a friend of mine who's a financial guy. He just goes, oh, that's just my business. I deal with this all the time. That's all people. People are all crazy all the time, and they just kind of run from one side of the boat to the other. And it, but but I would argue he's right. Scott Adams says the same thing, by the way. But but that it becomes more intense in certain moments, so that it really becomes a pathology. You know, I'm not saying it's not around all the time. I just think you know, like like everything in the human, we have all the traits that are in us. But when they become pathologies, it's because something is excessive. Or missing. Uh, or missing. I, you know, I, I feel like what's missing is real leadership, honestly. I, you know, I, I think that we do have this tendency to like completely flip from one opinion to the other to the other. But that's what leaders are supposed to do is they're supposed to keep us nailed down, right, to something that, that's a little bit more moderated and reasonable. That's, that's a great – it's a, it's a great. I don't think uh, we don't have leaders who are really willing to step out and really willing to say what they believe and stick to. It. I mean, we 
We did actually in the form of Trump, but I'm not sure that he was the most grounded. Right, right. That's <laughs> not the, that's, that's the, it's, yeah. Well, it should have been Fauci. That's why we liked him. For, that's for, what we but, loved about Trump. But you're talking about political leaders. I just want some medical leaders too to help my our profession glue back together too. And, and Fauci was supposed to be that. And maybe he will. I think when the day is done, he might yet be it. But but he was something was wrong for a couple of years there. Something was not right. And. You know, yeah. you just got to be transparent and honest and just like we've always done and open to discourse and do all the things we've done and just know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't know. I, and listen, I, a lot, it's very hard to listen when you think you already know. That's, you know, that's that's the, the hardest part about uh, what I see is that people don't really listen too well. And then all of a sudden when they do, that's where you get the flipping from one side to another. All, this, they, all, the, all of a sudden they can go to this extreme. Yeah. But, uh, but, but we don't, you know, we, we don't really have a lot of role models showing us how to slow down, listen and process. And it comes down to leadership in, in so many fields, right? Uh, p- political, national, local, and and in your own field, whatever it is, whether it's medical or or business. Well, I, I am looking to you, Kate, to be one of those voices. Uh, and I appreciate <laughs> you doing that. I, I've got a few. It's it's you. It's Monica Gandhi. It's Vinay Prasad. And I end up retweeting everybody and liking and all that stuff to kind of amplify what you guys are saying. And, and maybe that will get through eventually. I don't know. Maybe. I hope. We can hope. We can hope. Well, uh, thank you, Kate, as always. Uh, the website is Dr. Kate Shanahan. No, no, drkate.com. The Twitter handle is Dr. Kate Shanahan. Um, hey, by the way, what is ethnobotany? Is that where you got involved in is nutrition this- and stuff? That was uh, ethnobotany is the study of how other cultures use plants, uh. right? So, whether it's for medicinal, nutritional, or poison. And, um, and, and actually I got into that in Hawaii because, uh, at the same time I was getting into nutrition and just kind of opening my eyes to other sciences. So, um, but yeah, in Hawaii, they have the, the, the great, uh, uh, there's a national tropical botanical garden where people from all over the world come and talk about plants wow. that are, um, are you, are you thinking about, uh, plants in the brain these days? Cause that's getting, people are marching off into the jungles to do all kinds of stuff. Are, do you have any, maybe we should do a separate pod about that if you have ideas. After I march off into the jungle myself, I need to have firsthand experience. I think to talk uh, really about that. Be careful. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That that's my true. husband went. Yeah. my husband did uh, ayahuasca, and, and? Uh, he did it with uh, some people that actually came from Peru, and they were you know Peruvians with the whole history of it. And uh, he just described it as really like an amazing and beautiful kind of ceremony, it's uh, like an ongoing, super long ceremony that yeah. went on for 24 hours. Wow. And uh, the, the drug helps you get, I think, in touch with um, your sensory system in a, in a way that just helps you appreciate your surroundings. And I think that's a good reset for the human <laughs> to experience every once in a while, just to appreciate nature. Hmm. Right. So I think that's what that drug really does nicely. Okay. All right, we will. That's a, a much bigger topic. We will leave for another time. <laughs> but uh, thank you for your thoughts today. It's always uh, inspiring to talk to you. I, I am um, have a renewed commitment to my dietary. Uh, what should we call it? Uh, what should we call this? Uh, my the way I eat. Just the, just the way I eat now. It's just just my life. It's just and and it's um, it. I'm glad I'm there. Believe me, I, I'm clear that it's a distinct improvement in my overall health. I, there's no doubt in my mind. 
Uh, and right on. It, There's nothing more important you can do. And, and, and by the way, it's not hard. It's really because because hunger is what most people find the difficulty with, and there's no reason to be hungry with on this diet at all. You just eat what you want. You got to eat consciously. All right, Kate. Thank you so much, and no doubt you and I will see each other again soon. Thank you so much. And same for the rest of you. We'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Doctor Drew Podcast. That's D R D R E W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Doctor Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Doctor Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Doctor Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. 